Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. You might have heard that in the last couple weeks, Pope Francis made a few headlines as he talked about civil unions. A lot was said about whether or not the church had changed a position on same-sex marriage. Spoiler alert, she hasn't. What exactly did Pope Francis mean when he talked about civil unions and a right to a family for homosexuals? What exactly does the church teach on homosexuality? And how do we navigate conversations with our brothers and sisters on this topic? Andrew and I hope this episode can shed some light on these questions. Hope you enjoy. Before we get into this, can I just say that I have a huge amount of appreciation for teachers? Because, so I went through week two of my confirmation program last week. Yeah. And I have no idea how to handle grade seven kids, or grade eight kids, actually. Just like going off, like, yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't figure out the intricacies of Zoom properly. So, like, they just kept unmuting themselves and then, like, disrupting the class and whatever. And I was just, I think I was in the middle of reading. A gospel passage or something and I just had no idea how to handle the situation so (laughs) fortunately the people who are actually teachers they were just like hey um student's name can you please like be more respectful or like meet yourself or whatever like they just with the proper amount of authority and assertion like I was just like a deer in headlights (laughs) I have no idea how to do this teaching thing it's funny because um I think I had been in some situations where I dealt with like younger kids before so when I was in high school I volunteered for this thing where like we taught like younger kids like to like life writing skills um and i was like y'all be great with kids and like yeah. i wasn't great with kids <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I uh it's a different skill for sure it's like one of those things where it's like oh like it, you know it can't be that hard and then when you actually start doing it it's like holy like you really need to appreciate the people who do this full time it's like man after that class i was like you know the whole thing with covid where like people started appreciating like nurses and doctors and healthcare professionals yeah, professionals yeah. Are, like I need to start one of these campaigns for teachers. Yeah, honestly. Um, last last episode we talked about like your spiritual dry and starting with that. Uh, a lot better. Uh, yeah. this, this past week has been pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I can't really describe why. I just mm-hmm. kind of had a bit of a rebound. Um, and it's been interesting because it's not like I feel better, but it's just been easier to do the right things. Um, and I think like one of the big things I realized is that like uh, I had been focusing a lot on what I was doing. Um, versus what Grace I was receiving. Mm. Um, and then, like, whether I realized it or not at the time, like, that was a bit of the shift, I think. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had a session with uh, my spiritual director last week, and that helped me really distill, like, oh, kind okay, of this is what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been pretty good uh, since then, just kind of trucking along and uh, kind of um, going with life and not being so hard on myself for right. the things that I do and don't do. What do you mean when you said like you were focusing too much on what you're doing versus the graces that you're receiving? Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, like if I didn't get get to mass on a weekday, then I'd be like, oh, I didn't get to mass on a weekday versus True. like you know just going through my day. Um, and like you know when I started to get into dryness, it was a lot of like okay, like I need to pray more because that's what I need to do to respond to this versus yeah. like you know looking for new ways to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, something I'm still unpacking. Um, turns out that my way of thinking is a heresy, but um, huh. yeah, it's called Pelagianism. Anyways, I've heard I, of that. I don't think we want to dive into yeah, that, yeah, yeah. but um, 
I think Christian Barron has a video on it that I haven't I watched yet. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it, it was cool. Um, it was a bit of like a wake up call to be like, oh, you know, like it's not just learning about heresy sometimes, like in like the historical sense, but like knowing that, like, you know, like they they were like Catholics who were trying to pursue their faith and ended up in that path. Yeah. And we can just as easily start thinking those ways. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Huh, interesting. So speaking of heresy, um, a couple. Well, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think our our fearless leader, Pope Francis, um, made some headlines, and a lot of people, including the mainstream media, wanted to jump on that. Mm. Um, traditional Catholics jumped on it too, and uh, they were also like, "Is the Pope heretical with uh, with what he was saying?" So um, that's what our episode is about today. We wanted to kind of dive into what Pope Francis said. And if you haven't heard about it, um, then we'll we'll kind of uh, lay it out for you here, but. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you probably have heard about it, and I think we just want to kind of go through it, unpack it, and um, what see what the Pope was really saying. Yeah, and then maybe zoom out a bit, and because uh, he was talking about homosexuality, so maybe zoom out a bit and uh, talk about how the Church treats homosexuality. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for I, actually, I do know for you, but for me, um, how I came across this news, uh, I, I had a friend send me the send me the article. Um, I think it was a Catholic News Agency article, and she was just like, yo, like, have you seen this? Um, what do you think kind of thing? And then literally I had a couple other friend groups um, who also sent an article into the group. Except, so this one this one article was, uh, have you heard of Lad Bible? Mm-hmm. So like, kind of clickbaity, like not exactly your typical Catholic <laughs> news source. Uh, but I mean, I guess that's how big it was in terms of, um, in terms of uh, the news. Plus two. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the news hitting the mainstream media. Um, so I think, you, well, you told me that you had seen the headline, but I sent yeah. you the actual article. Yeah, I, I was gonna, you were in, I was gonna say, like, I also had a friend sent it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had I'd seen a couple headlines, like, just like, going through work, and then you sent it over to me. Um, and, and it was really interesting, I think, to, to interact with it, I, like, especially live and to see, you know, you know, how, what were my reactions and, like, well, yeah. you know, what was I going to do about it? Right? So what was your first thought when you saw it? My first thought was like, whoa, you know, this is kind of big. Yeah. No, it, it looked pretty big. I was like, man, like, are, are we heading on a different direction here? Like, yeah. are there new teachings? Like, and, and, and like the first thing I started trying to do is to try and map if, it, if this was what he was saying, started to try and map that back. So like what I knew about church yeah, exactly. teaching, right? Knowing that essentially, you know, we don't change our teachings mm-hmm. right? yeah, as, as a church. Um, so, so it was interesting to grapple with for a bit yeah. and then kind of diving into a little bit deeper and kind of learning a little bit more about what was actually said, um, kind of revealed a lot about the interactions between our faith and culture. Yeah. Um, I love that you said like, cause yeah, on the surface it was, you, you see the headline, even reading a bit of a few of the paragraphs, you're like, okay, like both of us, uh, cause me too, I was kind of like, okay, like, I mean, there's... There's no way the church would be changing its stance on, on the core of this, but what what actually is Pope Francis saying? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess I bring that up because let alone, you know, practicing Catholics like you and me uh, trying to figure this out, like, again, mainstream media kind of jumping on it. Um, I have this one sports journalist that I follow. Um, he works for the Toronto Star. And whenever, because this isn't the first time Pope Francis has kind of made the media yeah. or made headlines. And so whenever this kind of thing happens, he, he always tweets, well, he quote tweets whatever the, the headline is. And then he's like, cool, Pope. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, like, you know, people 
look at this on the surface and they're like, oh, the church is changing its direction and, and the winds are changing or whatever. And I think that's kind of, again, what we want to dive into today, where it's sort of like not totally necessarily is, is the church changing its teaching. So um, what exactly did Pope Francis say? Um, and I, I really want to quote, so this article is from the Catholic News Agency, um, and I'll try to throw it into our, our podcast and YouTube descriptions, but um, I want to be really careful with what Pope Francis actually said. Um, mm-hmm. So I will quote him directly. Um, and so what happened was, I think it was 2019, um, don't know who or what company, but uh, there's this documentary that has been filmed um, named Francesco. And uh, yeah, they did a direct interview with Pope Francis. Um, and what he said was two things I think that people have been kind of fixated on. So the first thing is, quote, homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. So again, that's word for word uh, verbatim what Pope Francis said. And I think a lot of the confusion is, you know, when he says what when he says uh, having a right to be a part of the family, mm-hmm. right? Um, what exactly does that mean? Because the the kind of immediate reaction to that is like, oh, like that's that's supporting um, you know same sex marriage and sure. homosexuals having uh, their own kind of family, yeah. right? Um, but I don't I don't totally think that's what he meant. No, I, I think there's a nuance there, right? And and uh, one thing to keep in mind here is that we are quoting him, but we're quoting the English translation yeah. of what he said in I believe it would have been Spanish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, that's another piece of the puzzle here. Um, but definitely, there, there's a difference, right, between starting your own family and being part of a family. Right? Think about in our nuclear family type of a deal, where I, as a son, am part of my parents' family, yeah. versus does that mean that I've gone and started my family? There's a difference there, right? And I think that that's something people jumped on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so two things. First thing is, um, yeah, you, you had brought up that, that documentary, or Pope Francis was speaking Spanish in that doc. Um, there has been some stuff, if, you, if, you, if you're well-versed with the story that's been going on the, the last couple of weeks, there's been some stuff about how Pope Francis was mistranslated mm-hmm. from Spanish to English. We're not going to dive into that too much today. I, I don't know about your Spanish. My Spanish isn't particularly good, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. non-existent. <laughs> um, so we're not going to dive into the whole Spanish versus English thing, but um, some of that has been out there. there. There are people who have been saying that he's been mis- mistranslated. There are people that have been saying that he was actually translated correctly. So I don't think it's for us to kind of speak on that or yeah. anything. Um, and actually, since I'm there, uh, another thing is... Uh, we wanted to do this whole episode on the Pope Francis thing just to kind of lay out our thought process for how we came to understand this because we're not we're not scholars. And no. Again, this has been the theme of our podcast the entire time. We we didn't really come. We had our thoughts, right? Yeah. Like you said, you you read the article, you tried to map it out to yeah. what you knew about the church teaching. Same thing for me. Uh, but there's no way any of this information that we have is is something that. Um, we are like authorities on. No, so. not anything close. I think, you know, it. it's really what we want to do with this is we want to be able to share. Yeah. Like, look, we don't think that we're better or worse Catholics because of how we reacted to this, but we think that there's something about the way we have impacted this that we yeah. want to share is really it. I yeah, think. that's exactly it. So, okay, so going back to what you said with the whole family thing, I think that's exactly it because uh, Pope Francis was talking about just how you know, regardless of whether you um, have an orientation towards same-sex marriage or, um, you know, traditional marriage or whatever, it doesn't mean that you should be thrown out out of your family. And I think that's that's an important thing to grasp because some of the context here is, um, you know, in North America, um, LGBTQ plus 
that stuff has been, you know, it's been pretty pushed and uh, promoted and everything. Mm -hmm. But there are parts of the world where that's actually still, like, I guess, outlawed, or if not outlawed, like, definitely um, severely frowned upon. Yeah. And so um, that particular community still experiences a lot of that persecution. And I think what the Pope is saying here is that they they shouldn't have to go through that kind of, you know, hate. Yeah. Right? And I don't think that there's anything within the church's teachings that would contradict that. No, definitely. It's, it's recognizing the dignity of their humanity, regardless exactly. of what's happening here. Um, I think, you know, um, and we'll dive into, I think we have some, some quotes from the catechism to kind of speak to this, but honestly, uh, it's just the general concept of like, hate the sin, not the sinner type of video. Yeah. Right? It's really just understanding that um, our predispositions, our tendencies and those things, they're just that. They don't define us. And they shouldn't then define the way that we're treated necessarily. Yeah. So that was the first thing that a lot of people kind of fixated on in terms of um, this quote from Pope Francis and having a right to be a part of the family. It's, it's not necessarily that, uh, you know, getting married and then having a family kind of sense um, mm-hmm. within the same sex context, but more so just uh, people shouldn't be thrown out of their families uh, for this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think the second quote that a lot of people have been confused about is uh, the second one. So, what we have to create is a civil union law. That way, they, they being homosexuals, are legally covered. So, yeah, again, what we have to create is a civil union law. That way, they are legally covered. I think the first thing that people look at within this quote is civil union. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was definitely the first thing that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that um, when I first read this article, uh, that very first day when it came across my, my timeline kind of thing, um, that was also the first thing I looked at, and it was also that particular term that I was like, "This doesn't mean marriage." Yeah, yeah. Civil union, um, it, it it does not contradict anything that the church teaching that the church teaches specifically on same sex marriage. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to you know we spoke about this right in our second episode, I think it was mm-hmm. um, talking about the importance of marriage and, and what that's directed towards, um, and, and there's. Um, something different about the the tie there to starting a family and, and the way that it points towards God, right? Um, so speaking to things happening in the civil sense, um, I, I mean, you know, it's, things are up for interpretation in some senses here, but um, what's undeniable is that, you know, what, what the Pope is going towards is protection at the end of the day, right? That, yeah. That's really what he's aiming for, right? That the law protects these people, that that you know, homosexuals, LGBTQ plus community um, is not uh, less well served because of the way the laws are laid out. Yeah, it, it was exactly the same thing with the first quote, right? In terms of um, by creating a civil union law, um, these people are legally protected from things like persecution and hate. Um, they're not outlawed, which is all stuff that the church can totally back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of the whole civil union term, it is. A little confusing to say the least, I guess, to be fair. Um, just, you know, it, what does that actually mean, right? Because it's, it's two people, um, again, in this context, it would be two people living together um, who are homosexual, but it's not the same thing as the institution of marriage, mm-hmm. right? The sacrament of marriage, which is, um, Pope Francis has actually on several occasions said that, like, th- there can't be any compromises there. Um, with marriage specifically, um, it does have to be one man, one woman, one woman, and that's how a family is created and raised. Um, so what I would say is that this quote, uh, it's, it doesn't have any kind of effect on, on the church's teachings on same-sex marriage. It doesn't reverse anything. It doesn't change anything. Um, 
And again, as a side note, it should also be noted that this was done in a documentary, mm -hmm. which is not the same grounds as doing it like just like to change church teachings. Yeah. So, so I guess like kind of to lay out what we mean by that, um, there are different levels of church teaching. I mean, right. So even when we talk about things like what does the church teach about something, there's different levels of what that could be. Um, kind of going back to, uh, you know, you hear things like the catechism, right? Or things like something that's called the magisterium. And I don't think we really need to dive into mm -hmm. that. But the point here is that there are differing levels of authority of church teaching. And uh, Frank, just long story short, documentary is one of them, right? Um, you know, you know, when Pope Francis tweets something, it's not like people are rewriting you know, the rule books on, on the church. Um, there are very specific, I guess, uh, avenues and channels with which um, Pope Francis will um, share different things that are actually meant to be kind of understood by the by the faithful, right? So things like apostolic letters, right? Yeah. Things, things like, um, I don't know, what else is there? Uh, when there are councils of the Second Vatican Council, it's another great example mm -hmm. right, of the church gathering together to actually approach um, you know, different church teachings and things that came out of that were new things that came out, such as what's called the Novus Ordo, which is basically just um, the new form of Mass compared to Latin Mass, yeah. right? So things like that are church teaching and things like this aren't. Yeah, so a documentary does not replace church teaching. That's hopefully people understand that at yeah. the least. Um, but it, it, there is still kind of um, some amount of, like it will make headlines when the priest, when the when a Pope says something like this, right? Um, and so, sorry, just one more thing on the on the civil union thing. Um, I think in the context of what Pope Francis was speaking, and this was something I read in an article somewhere, uh, actually I can quote that article, um, or source it at least. It was on patheos.com, P-A-T-H-E-O-S.com. Uh, it was an article by Father Matthew Schneider, who's a priest, I think, in the States for um, with the Legionaries of Christ. Um, and he has this really good article just kind of breaking down everything that, um, that Pope Francis said. And it's really our podcast episode, but probably much better. <laughs> um, and so one of the things he pointed out was that um, within the context of civil union, especially I think particularly back in Argentina, which is where Pope Francis is from, um, they they wouldn't talk about it doesn't have any kind of implications for uh, the sexual act. Mm -hmm. So civil union can be between, I guess, two people in general, um, again, for the purpose of legal protection. Um, and it doesn't actually have any kind of weight on um, how they behave in the bedroom. It's sure. kind of what, what, what the article says. And so, again, this is actually, we're starting to part hairs, but it is in line with what the church teaches because it doesn't actually have anything to do with, again, what they do in the bedroom kind of thing yeah. when, they, when they speak about civil union. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's the... Um, totality of what's being declared yeah right um and and civil union uh, at the end of the day if we take a look at it from a legal sense it, it's it's really there to uh, change the way that the law looks at you right? right rather than um one of the big things with catholic marriage is, is the open declaration of your entire being mm -hmm. right? it, it, inclusive of how society looks at you and how what commitments you are making as an individual as well yeah so there's a lot more holistic uh, of um, of a statement that's being made with, I think, the Catholic marriage compared yeah. to what we're talking about here. For more on marriage, for our thoughts on marriage, episode two, <laughs> math, marriage, and discipleship, I think. Anyway, I hope I got that right. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess, you know, on the flip side, I, I do want to kind of talk about, um, you know, what the Catholic, the Catholic community has been thinking about Pope Francis, right? In terms of, um, you know, he's been making these headlines. And I guess the gripe that a lot more, a lot of the more traditional Catholics have is that like, things have been left to like, people like you and me, maybe smarter, but like people like you and me to kind of have to um, explain these things and help set the record straight. Mm-hmm. Whereas people, I guess, you know, when you look at the leader of the church, um, especially during a time where the Catholic Church is so widely persecuted anyway, um, people are hoping for a bit more clarity and it doesn't, it, it kind of doesn't really feel like Pope Francis has given that, that clarity right away. Yeah. Again, it's it's been on the surface, here's the headline, here's a paragraph or two about what he said. And then a lot of people like you and me, and, you know, again, more, more better authorities like, um, the articles that I quoted or the priests that I quoted, um, they have to come out and kind of speak on behalf of the Pope or explain the church on behalf of the Pope. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a bit of the frustration as well. And again, you know, this isn't necessarily anything that Andrew and I are, are feeling, but more so just kind of laying out the ground for, um, you know, what some parts of the church are feeling. Yeah. And I think it's understandable, yeah. right? Uh, at the end of the day, um, you, when you look to your reader, you know, people expect a certain yeah. thing. Uh, I don't think that anyone would fault any of these, any of these opinions. Uh, but I think on the flip side, you you got to keep in mind that he's still a human being, mm-hmm. right? and it's not like uh, things are always obvious. Right? Any any of us who might have said something that was misunderstood, let's say in the workplace, you know, it's always a little bit of a man walking on eggshells here, and that's definitely the yeah. case for him, right? So I think there's a level of empathy to be had here for for him as well, uh, knowing that you know in in this moment, you know, sure he's the pope, and granted, there's a level of expectation that comes with that role. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this was him speaking as an individual, right, rather than as a church. Yeah. And so um, recognizing that and that he is kind of now needing to or, or being in a situation where uh, there's a potential to explain himself as an individual again, there's there's a level of understanding that I think we yeah, have as well. For sure. It's, it's, a, it's a tough line to walk because on one hand, he is his own individual, but a lot of the time when he does speak, it is for the church. Exactly. Right? So... Uh, there, there is a level of empathy and understanding that we need to strive to have. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough, tough balance to have. For sure. Um, we had spoken earlier in terms of our, our thought process about trying to map what was, what we were reading yeah. to kind of the teachings of the church. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to kind of try to break that down. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, by quoting the catechism, which is directly church teaching. So if you are interested, it's the catechism, catechism of the Catholic Church number 2357. Uh, Again, I'm just going to quote it, and then we'll kind of dive into it. So, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, affective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. So, there's a lot here, obviously. Uh, I think one of the things when people, uh, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, kind of zoom into is the fact that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. Mm-hmm. What does the church mean when we say intrinsically disordered? Yeah, so I think um, one really important distinction to make here is the uh, the connotation versus the denotation of the word disorder, right? Where in the connotation, in, in the popular sense, we think of it as something is like, um, gravely wrong in the sense that it's to be shamed, it's, it's, you know, that type of a thing. 
uh, when the denotation, which is really what the truth is getting at here, is yeah. that it's not proper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so intrinsic disorder just means like in and of itself, it's not the way it's meant to be. Yeah. It is what the church is trying to say here. Um, and I think that um, when we look at it from the understanding that we spoke about previously about um, the purpose of marriage then it kind of makes sense why the church is saying this because the purpose of marriage uh, we talked about before it's it's to be uh free full faithful and fruitful yeah. right um and if you can't be fruitful in this act of this the, the the conjugal act then it is not ordered towards marriage yeah that's really what's being said exactly that like it literally says they close the sexual act to the gift of life so and i think it should also be noted it's not just homosexual acts that are intrinsically disordered right everything outside of the marital act um is is uh, sorry every sexual act outside of the marital act would be intrinsically distorted so that includes things like uh masturbation and rape and and fornication and all of those things contraception yeah all of those things also fall under that definition so i think it's important to kind of clarify that and make sure that people understand that the church doesn't hate the lgbtq plus community yeah. right it's not just about homosexuals it's not just about um lgbtq plus or anything um and in fact like Literally, the section after uh, Catechism number 2358, it says, the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, so they repeat that, uh, this inclination constitutes for most of them a trial. So the church recognizes that this is suffering, that is difficult, it's a challenge. And she says, they must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These people, these persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives. And if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. So again, when Pope Francis is saying that, um, you know, a civil union law must be created, uh, that these people uh, should not be kicked out of their families, that they have a right to their family. This is directly in line with that because, again, they must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Uh, these are all just people, uh, just as you said. They're they're all people with human dignity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I that I heard spoken about previously on this topic, which which I think was quite interesting, is kind of taking it, um, maybe taking away the actual um, uh, homosexual uh, inclination part of it, and just thinking of this as a regular and habitual yeah. tendency towards sin, regular yeah. concupiscent, compu- oh my goodness, what's the word? I don't know what word you Oh, concupiscence. Concupiscence, yeah, yeah. Goodness. yeah. Um, right, so regular like, tendency towards sin that is really tough to get out of. If we think of it in that way, um, then it's easy enough to, first of all, relate individually, right? So whether it be the particular sin of the homosexual act or be some other type Anything of sin, else, yeah. right? There, there's that. And then, just to add, I guess, a level of uh, I guess, relatability with the Church Fathers, mm-hmm. uh, St. Paul, um, and, and I haven't fact-checked this, but I heard it from a reputable source. I can't remember who it was anymore. Anyways, probably Bishop Barry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you need to get him on this podcast. <laughs> um, was that St. Paul speaks about frequently a constant thorn in his side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Meaning that, like, there's this thing, there's this sin that he just can't get rid of. There's a sin that's just always bugging him. So this is like the apostle. Right. This is the major evangelist of the church. 
struggling with the same sin over and over again. So this is not unique to the LGBTQ plus community, yeah. right? This is something that um, all of us deal with in some form or other. It just so happens that this particular sin is kind of magnified by today's culture. It's something that my spiritual director was saying was saying to me because uh, yeah, like the culture and people in general, like it's so easy to become uh, fixated on sexual sin. Yeah. And you know, we get it. Like sex is um, is it can be a sensitive topic, but it's also a beautiful thing. And when a beautiful thing like sex is twisted, then you know it grabs a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, so we get that, but there are, are a lot of other sins um, in, in that are possible, I guess. Uh, that exists um right and so if i think that's a perfect point if we if we re- re- remove this whole homosexual inclination thing and just think of it as this one on our side um or just concupiscence in general uh that's definitely something that i think can really help with with the perspective here mm. um so in terms of talking about this issue with our neighbors our friends our family uh, it's it can be a really difficult conversation to have, right? Yeah. Um, I think actually last week's gospel. Uh, so we're recording this on November first, um, which is All Saints Day. Uh, but last week's gospel on October twenty fifth, it talked about balancing our responsibility towards uh, God and then towards our neighbors. Yeah. Like how can we love God and how can we love our neighbors yeah. um, at the same time? And these conversations can be difficult because you try to. You, I guess you take the wrong, the step in the wrong direction in terms of your conversation and you might be uh, turning someone away from the church for a long time. You don't want to go down that path. On the other hand, you don't want to say something that is, you know, potentially heretical or wrong or just uh, not faithful to, yeah. to God either. Yeah. So when we have these kinds of conversations, like how would you go about doing that? Yeah, it's always tough, but I think one of the big things is to, first of all, praise God that this conversation is even happening. Um, I think one of the one of the really beautiful things with these types of topics and people coming to us as the faithful um, to talk about this is there is an innate openness to having a conversation. Yeah. Right? Whether that comes across right away or not, there the fact that it's coming to light as a conversation versus a comment to themselves like oh finally the church is turning around mm-hmm. or like oh you know it's about time means that there is a, a channel being opened for dialogue about our faith and, and that is something to be celebrated because as catholics we often talk about you know it's so hard to evangelize well well here's evangelism kind of coming to you yeah right? so that's number one yeah. so, to, to thank god for that yeah. right the second i think really important piece is to look for in what the other person is saying something to affirm because I think that that's a really good way to start from the same footing. I think if it comes, if you start off with a "you're here and I'm here and we're gonna butt heads," yeah. you're gonna butt heads, right? Versus, hey, here's something about what you're saying that is very true, right? So, for example, um, you're saying that it's good that the church is finally turning. Well, what do you mean by that? Oh, it's good that the church isn't persecuting people. I agree. Yeah. It's good that we're not persecuting people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that's an oversimplified example, but I think that's a really important... No, that's where a lot of these conversations start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then from there, it's just kind of exploring the, the topic together. I think understanding, you know, what is it that you're excited about as an individual? What is your interpretation of what is being said? And then what is my interpretation? And then exploring that together, right? I think if it's you start from the same place and you explore together, I think there's a lot of openness that in general to... Um, find the truth and if the conversation is about finding the truth 
I find that we tend to have a good conversation, mm-hmm. even if we end up in different spots. Yeah. It's a good conversation versus if we're trying to educate the other person and not now pursuing the truth, then you'll tend to have a little bit more of a maybe less helpful conversation. I think it's also important to remember that you you can't bring someone to the truth in one night. Right? Yeah. Uh, you can't just set out and be like, okay, within the matter of three hours, this will be done, and this yeah. person's going to be a converted Catholic or something. Like, mm. that's not the point. Yeah. Uh, if anything, actually, it's just understanding that you you might have a role. God might be, God might be using you as an instrument. Um, he might be planting a seed, but yeah. also you just might not be. Yeah. And either of those things should be fine. Yeah. Right. Um, you you shouldn't go and set out to have a conversation for the purpose of like converting souls and like you know like the zeal is great. Right. If you're on fire with the Holy Spirit to evangelize and um, you really want to bring people to heaven and all the people around you, like that is a beautiful thing. Um, but I think there's again there's always a balance with these kinds of things where uh, you don't want to turn someone away from the church. You want to, as you've been saying find that common ground and have proper open dialogue and conversation. If it leads somewhere, that's great. If not, God will, God is probably going to use someone else down the road in that person's life to bring them closer to him. Yeah. This one I know Bishop Aaron talks about. Um, in particular, with a, with a slightly different context, he talks about um, bringing the youth back to church. And, and what he says there is that, you know, um, today's youth are really on fire with um pursuing social justice. And and then what he maps it to is like, well, the church has lots of social social justice going on. So why don't we put that in front of the youth first? Yeah. And then what he basically goes says from there is like, look, all the people that are gonna say, like, you know, why are we starting with transubstantiation? It's kind of like a calm down, we'll get there, but let's start a conversation first. Yeah. Right. Um so so I think that's that's kind of the piece is, you know, meet the other person where they're at. Don't presume yeah. that you know where they should go next right away. Yes. Yeah, that's so important. You need to make sure you're truly seeing them for where they are. Exactly. Um, is there anything else you want to cover on this? Or uh, I don't think so. I think, um, well, just to recap what we've talked about yeah. here, really, yeah. it's, it's, it's a combination of one, you know, um, we had some pretty crazy reactions to this too. And if any of you listening also had some like big reactions and you're like, oh man, like was that heretical? Like it's okay, yeah. you know? Um, your reactions are your reactions. What's more important is what you did after that, right? And, and if you did pursue things, great. If you hadn't had that chance to yet, then do it, right? You know, we, we definitely encourage you. There's lots of resources out there. Uh, lots of priests have commented on this at this point. Make sure you, you know, fact check and, and find reliable sources, right? So I was, so I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, so like just the sources that we kind of checked. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I quoted that Catholic News Agency article. I think there's maybe two or three of them on that website at this point. Patheos.com, I already quoted. For, uh, that was in, that was... There are two articles, I believe, that I've seen written by Father Matthew Schneider, again, Legionaries of Christ. Uh, I also saw a video, a reaction video by uh, Dr. Tim Gray, if you know him. I think he teaches somewhere in the States at the St. Augustine Institute or something like that. Um, Anyway, the video is on Formed. So if you have a subscription to Formed uh, through your church or personally, um, you can check that out there. It's like on the front page. Formed is basically Catholic Netflix. I love it. Um, and then, yeah, also, uh, there's a, there's a Matt Frad. He's another kind of, um, authority within the, within the Catholic Church in terms of just, um, you know, he's a, he's a lay person and, yeah. and he goes around speaking on various subjects. So, uh, Matt Frad is someone that I've, I've also listened to. Um, you're a spiritual director. Yeah. Um, also, also my dad, uh, <laughs> who has a master's in theology. Uh, I definitely leech some of his thoughts as well. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's just, like you said, you know, if you haven't 
quote-unquote taken action action yet or dug into this or maybe this is the first time you've heard of of it like there's nothing wrong with that um you know maybe maybe this episode the information this episode is enough for you um maybe you want to dig dig a bit deeper right yeah definitely um and then from there you know the only other thing that we really have to say is you know when people come to you and talk about this celebrate that conversation and and let it go where it's meant to go right don't presume uh i guess like to try and drive the conversation necessarily right um you know we we each had our reactions you'll have your reaction they'll have their reaction and everyone processes things at different speeds right so i think it's it's um you know praising god to have the opportunity to be a part of that unpacking and to be open to be part of that however you're meant to yeah um yeah and just last thing is just prayers i think this is a a huge thing prayers for the pope prayers for the leadership within the catholic church because you know, even I think just before this episode, you and I both saw this headline. I don't know if you still have it up, but it was like Archbishop. Do you have it? Yeah, it's, it says uh, Archbishop grapples with Pope's confusing same-sex union stance. And this is a this is like a perfect example of the over-romanticization of what actually happened. Because you know, even from a skim through of this article, what you'll see is that the actual quote says basically um, the Pope should probably clarify his comments. And like from from the, this bishop saying that, it's like oh, he's grappling with how confusing it is. Like yeah. okay, well let's let's calm down a little. Yeah. Right? And that's just one example of how media has taken things and blown things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So prayers for prayers for our leadership um, and prayers for the Catholic Church as well. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I think that wraps everything up today. It's a bit of a weightier subject, but um, I think it was really informative. Again, you know, we just wanted to lay out our approach to unpacking this because mm-hmm. um, you can't just take things at, at the surface level these days. Yeah. Um, in general, but yes, especially with something like this as well. So. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so I think that's all for us today, and uh, you'll hear from us next time. Stay safe, everyone.